Welcome to the Airline Pilot Podcast, a new show from the Airline Pilots Association. I'm Corey Kuhn. And I'm Dan Bristol. With safety top of mind going into the FAA reauthorization and recent attention on near misses, this episode will feature an interview between ALPA President Captain Jason Ambrosi and Aviation Safety Chair Captain Steve Jangelis. As part of his long career as an ALPA volunteer, Captain Jangelis is currently the Aviation Safety Chair of ALPA's Air Safety Organization. An active safety volunteer for decades, Captain Jangelis has helped influence ALPA's work on issues ranging from FAA reauthorization to the 737 MAX to helping keep our skies safe and secure. Here's his conversation with Captain Ambrosi discussing his work with the ASO as well as next steps for the FAA reauthorization process as it moves forward. Welcome, everybody. Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Jason. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, we've known each other a while. Uh, the the ASO, you know, we know that we all talk about ALPA being the largest non-governmental safety organization in the world. We talk about all the great things we do for, for our 75,000-plus members now. But you don't get a true grasp of, of all the work that's being done, you know, until you really get up here and spend some time. I'll tell you, even as a uh, now that I'm in the position uh, as president, getting to see just the number of volunteers as well as staff that work on behalf of our pilots every day uh, is, is just it's just unbelievable. It's it's impressive. So, you know, a shout out to you and your team for everything, everything you do. And, uh, you know, just to. Just want to kind of go back and forth with you here. And, you know, how did you get started in, in this work and, and uh, volunteering for ALPA and the ASO? Um, actually, my my foray into safety with uh, the Airline Pilots Association started as a result of, a, of an incident I was involved in uh, on a Delta jet. I was on the jump seat of a 767-400 that landed over the top of a 737 that was in position at Fort Lauderdale airport. And we had 303 people on board the seven, six, there were 64 people on board the seven thirty-seven. Uh, and what happened was it was, uh, at night during the rain, uh, during a rain, uh, frontal activity that, uh, passed over the field and the controller was working by himself in the tower, working ground and tower, as well as clearances for a busy metropolitan airport like Fort Lauderdale. And so this controller was overwhelmed. The controller didn't come to work that day to, to make a mistake, but uh, a mistake happened. We were clear to land twice uh, in that rain at night, and we never saw that airplane in position in front of us. We landed over the top of them, taxied back, went to the gate. Uh, I did not know of anything happening until I got a call from the Alpa lawyer the next day to uh, make a statement about what we saw because the FAA wanted to know. So as a result of that, we made a number of recommendations and I did wrote a, a lot of, uh, uh, ideas that could help, uh, you know, such issues as traffic and position prior to your arrival an aircraft lighting policy and emphasizing the fact that we need to have more ground radars on, uh, at, at the larger airports where air carriers operate. So, you know, that's what got me into, uh, into Alpa work. I've basically, after it happened, I said, you know, I, I'm only as good as, uh, as one person could be 
But uh, joining the team, I was speaking with some of the uh, reps at the time, and they said, you know, you've got uh, some some good comments coming from people inside the FAA and industry about some of the ideas you made. Would you be interested in helping us out in our runway safety projects? And uh, I said, you know, absolutely, love to be a part of it. So I started out as the uh, airport and ground environment chair, uh, made myself uh, uh, available for many, many years and was asked to be the uh, aviation safety vice chair. And then a few years back, the aviation safety chair. So, you know, throughout this whole process, just seeing, you know, the sea change in, in attitudes regarding runway safety, looking both ways, turning lights on when you're on the runway. Uh, it definitely proves that the work that we bring forward from ALPA and, and comments and recommendations from our pilots and ASAP reports are, are helpful in increased safety in the industry. Wow, that's powerful um, to, to take a situation like that that, that uh, is real life and, and use it as a catalyst to get involved and make change. I think that's an that's a important message for, for all of our people out there to, to consider volunteering and, and getting involved. Um, maybe, maybe next up, how about a, an overview of the ASO, uh, Air Safety Organization, and, and what it does in broad sense for, for our members? Absolutely, Jason. So we have 450 plus volunteers from every airline in our association uh, helping us out. Uh, we have it broken down into categories. We have technical chairs, and uh, those those folks are responsible for the technical side of our safety organization, uh, air traffic services, airport and ground environment, uh, human factors and training, aircraft design and operations. Uh, we also have accident analysis and prevention. Uh, that includes our accident investigation board. And we also convene a safety council and training council, which these are very important because it takes the heads of safety and the heads of the training committees at all of our airlines. And they meet and decide on uh, what issues are hot button topics, what are things that we need to take forward uh, to uh, you as leadership and as well as to outside the industry. And so they are a great uh, advisor to our safety structure here at Alpa National. You know, uh, maybe just as one small piece uh, of, of what all this is, because we certainly don't have enough time in, in a single podcast to cover every one of them, but maybe just expand a little on if we, you know, have an aircraft accident, you know, knock on wood, we, we avoid as many as possible, but we have an aircraft accident. How does it work with the MEC versus the national? So when an accident or incident happens, uh, Alpa National reaches out to the NTSB first to see if it is a reportable accident and if they are going to take action. And if they do, uh, basically Alpa National supports the MEC and their accident investigators and assists the uh, MEC in investigating the, the accident. We do not influence what is written, but we do assist and help using our expertise with our technical chairs advising on current up-to-date issues. A great example of where Alpa National helped an MEC out was uh, after the Colgan crash. Uh, basically, Colgan was a new airline added into Alpa, and our accident investigation board came to the rescue, and we took investigators from all across Alpa to assist their pilots, get them up to speed and ready to investigate the uh, the accident. And of course, that included a number of fatalities. And that's, you know, that's a bad day for any airline and for any MEC. 
But having that ability to be nimble and to bring expertise to the table is, is what we're about. And we have a lot of new, uh, new pilots here, as well as a lot of new airlines here. And so, you know, we have expertise dealing on both sides of the border with the TSB in Canada, as well as the NTSB in the United States. Our, our uh, association is, is ready to assist an MEC in case they have a crash and what we would call probably the worst day in the airline's history. You touched on Canada a bit, um, maybe just a, a minute or two on how, how this process would be uh, different, or is it the same north of the border? It's a little bit different, but it involves uh, Canada, Canada board, uh, as well as, uh, you know, different investigators. We don't just send up U.S. investigators. We have Canadian investigators assigned to our AX investigation board to assist our Canadian members, but we have uh, Alpa National Pilots ready to assist each indiv- individual MEC up in Canada to navigate through that. But the actual investigation process, the actual kicking of the tin and doing the reporting is is just about the same. Yeah, this is one of those uh, one of those services that we hope we never use, but uh, it's ready nonetheless. And when when that bad day, as you you say, comes, but uh, let's shift gears a little bit to something that's you know current day is FA reauthorization. So, can you explain to our listeners how FA reauthorization uh, impacts aviation safety? Well, one thing's for sure, it affects just about everything we do in, in our national airspace system, whether it's, uh, you know, the design of the aircraft, operation at an airport, operation en route, uh, your training. Uh, it involves every walk of life or something that we would touch as a pilot. ALPA being a part of this discussion and, and being very, uh, you know, at, at the forefront of the initial discussions regarding reauthorization is very important. So a, a great example would be during the 2018 reauthorization bill, ALPA was uh, very uh, forward in our discussions with the FAA regarding something as simple as the w- removing the oxygen mask uh, requirement uh, on board the aircraft should a pilot leave the uh, flight deck. You know, we were data driven when we went in with those, uh, those numbers and said, look, this is how many uh, depressurizations we've had. How many of us have happened? during a, uh, a crew change out. And, uh, you know, do we have someone in the flight deck there available to help the pilot assist and put their mask on if needed? And, and uh, you know, all of that was satisfied and the FAA changed the rule to where now uh, you don't have to uh, put on the oxygen mask when a pilot leaves to use the lavatory. So, you know, we've, we, that, that's just one simple change. Uh, but, you know, we, we try to advocate for, our, for safety and, and definitely for uh, pilot uh, training improvements. And, and that's uh, primarily why we're so involved with the FAA reauthorization bill, because it touches, like I said earlier, everything that uh, involves pilot training and operation. Yeah, let's go back to the, the 2010 bill where, you know, uh, reauthorization created regulations that are fundamental to U.S. aviation safety today just like the, the first officer qualification and, and strengthening the, the, the training requirements. And that is in the wake of the, the uh, uh, 3407 tragedy that you mentioned near Buffalo. Uh, and, and that was a catalyst for change. There was a, a, over 1,100 fatalities in the, in the preceding couple decades. And then since that time, we've had a 99.8% reduction in, in fatalities. So uh, the, the, it is, it's far more than just funding the FAA and funding air traffic control. A lot more goes into these things, and 
and it's essential to keep things moving. And at the same time, we see that that special interests use the FAA reauthorization as a way to try to do things they want to do, like roll back first officer calls and and and, and so on. So it's a, it's a, 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 a huge process and, and very nuanced as you go through it. How, how was pilot training? Because we have a lot of younger listeners. Um, compare pilot training before the 2010 bill and, and after, if you, if you could, Steve. Absolutely. So before 2010, I mean, basically it was just uh, basic minimums is, is what you needed to uh, uh, become a pilot. And, you know, with since 2010, we've held firm on the uh, 1,500-hour uh, rule with exceptions for reduced experience hours. But their training has to be supported with those reduced hours, uh, training in checklist usage, crew concept, uh, advanced aerodynamics, uh, advanced weather training. You know, there, there are programs now in place with where someone could get a uh, restricted ATP and, and fly on board an airplane uh, as a first officer until they get that 1,500 hours. But, you know, we made exceptions to that. ALPA was a part of that process. Uh, because we wanted to make sure that the curriculum and the structure that they were learning in uh, was conducive to airline operations. So, you know, the, the point to be made here is, is that prior to 2010, you know, having just having those hours, accidents and incidents were higher. Uh, as we've seen, a, an aircraft accident doesn't happen all that often anymore. Well, look, the record speaks for itself. I mean, I keep getting hit with it's 1500 hours, 1500 hours. It's always 1500 hours. And as you, as you have enumerated, there is uh, there is flyout or credit against that 1500 hours for people that do advanced academics. You know, uh, we've got the, if you're a military pilot, you get half of that 750 hours. If you went to a four-year school with the advanced academics, it's a thousand hours. A two-year school is 1250. So there are programs out there that, that, that give a credit towards what, what's told the 1500 hour rule. And it's worked, you know, uh, in addition to the, to that, it's also required training in things, uh, like high altitude aerodynamics, stall and upset recovery, adverse weather, things that you've mentioned that those, those key things have resulted in, in the safety that we're, we're enjoying today in, in our system. And we at Alpa, as we look at these issues, you know, we, we understand that small and rural communities need, need service. But we also feel that they should have the same level of service that all large cities do, just like Washington or New York, that they shouldn't have some, some uh, a crew with less experience or less qualifications. So, Steve, one more thing that uh, I think most have seen recently in the media, um, as well as, uh, you know, internally is the highlight on the increase in, you know, you'll see it called near misses, runway incursions. Uh, we've had uh, an FAA safety roundtable earlier this year that, that you and I participated in, as well as an NTSB um, uh, roundtable that we participated in. And, and there's a lot of attention being drawn to this. So as the, as the uh, air safety chair, what are your thoughts on that? What could we do? Um, what are you seeing? What, where, what should our members know? Well, Jason, uh, you know, I have to first give a shout out to you because you've really shown a genuine interest in, in being a part of these discussions uh, regarding these incidents that the FAA and the industry is, is reporting on. Um, you know, obviously the media is starting to take greater focus on this. Uh, as part of the commercial aviation safety team, ALPA is a primary founding member of that group, and I get to represent us there. And uh, we sit down, it's executives from every walk of life in the industry, from the regulator 
to the aircraft uh, manufacturers, to GE, to airlines. We all sit down and we talk about what are those hot button topics right now. And and what this group is doing right now is compiling the numbers to see, uh, you know, if is the rate any higher than what we've seen before? Uh, are we seeing something related to more and more training? And I'm, I'm starting to, you know, point my finger at that a little bit that, you know, we've just got so much movement in all of our seats uh, here post-COVID. The recovery has happened, you know, faster than ever, faster than we would have imagined. And uh, there's a lot of training going on, uh, you know, not just uh, new people uh, moving into seats, but people that have never occupied the seat on the jet before. Uh, so we've seen an experience drain from a lot of retirements, but also the seat movement. And, uh, I believe that, you know, that involves more scrutiny by the FAA and the airlines to see if maybe their training programs need to be adjusted. So the incidents that are being highlighted by the media right now are definitely happening. And and what we're doing at the commercial aviation safety team level is, is to, is to disseminate the data and take a look at it and decide if, is it a, is it a certain demographic? Is it a certain fleet? Is it a certain airline operation? Is it cargo, passenger? What is it? And what do we do to fix it? Uh, that could involve training. That could involve procedures changes. And, and that takes a little bit of time. So, uh, you know, with the enhanced hiring that's going on, with the, all the flying that's happening, I, I believe a lot of our airlines inside of our association are at record hiring levels right now. We have to make sure that the training supports the crew and that the operation is resilient uh, whenever a mistake is made. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I will say that uh, part of this is get back to basics. I've been saying that. Let's try to avoid distractions and get back to basics. You know, there's all kinds of distractions out there, operational pressures, um, you know, new procedures, um, you know, just like you said, new people moving from different places. Let's just get back to basics and, and, you know, two sets of eyes looking out the window, make sure that, that, uh, when we're taxiing, that we're, we're all agree on that taxi procedure, that we all agree where we're holding short and that we're not allowing distractions to, to get us into a situation we shouldn't be in and, and make sure that we're, you know, we're just getting back to basics. It sounds simple, but, uh, maintaining vigilance, you know, we're, when we're in the safest period in aviation history, it, complacency can have a tendency to, to, to creep in. And our job is to make sure that it doesn't. And I appreciate you and everything that your team does to, to get in there and, and look at the root causes and find out where it's at and what we can do to, to prevent that complacency from, from getting there. If there's one thing I can pass along to our listeners here, uh, you know, pilots, the best thing we can say to uh, air traffic control is unable. Uh, I think that that We've seen in a lot of the reports that, you know, operational stress, operational pressures, you know, do I have to make that turn now? Can I wait another 10, 15 miles to get around that weather? Uh, Saying unable releases a lot of that pressure off of the uh, flight crews and the operation. Air traffic controllers have told me many, many times, if you just tell us unable, we'll make it happen. But if if there's a question or there is a, a safety concern, Letting them know that you know you're unable to comply with that uh, direction or order uh, will will definitely enhance safety. So you know don't don't feel pressured. Alpa has your back. Uh, if you have to set the parking brake to uh, assess things and 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 slow the operation down, we will do all we can to help you. And uh, we've let all of our industry partners know whether it's the airline, the FAA, air traffic control, that uh, you know 
the buck stops with safety with the two pilots on board the aircraft. Amen to that. Amen to that. Steve, I'd like to wrap up by saying thank you to you and everyone in the ASO, not just pilot volunteers, but staff, people you interact with in the industry, all the hard work that's done as the largest non-governmental safety organization in the world. I felt it was important to have in one of our first podcasts, safety come to the forefront. Schedule with safety is, is our motto. And, you know, it, it is as prevalent today as it was uh, all those many years ago when, when ALPA was founded. So, uh, Steve, I, I really appreciate you joining us today and um, look forward to working with you in the, in the coming years. Well, thank you, Jason, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And uh, thanks to you and the leadership for your continued support of our safety uh, uh, volunteers and, and keeping safety at the forefront of, uh, uh, of, our, uh, of our association is, is very important. So thanks again. Well, with that, uh, listeners, please fill out those ASAP forms. Keep the feedback coming. Let, let safety know what they can do to make us even safer moving forward. Thank you for joining us today on our third edition of the Airline Pilot Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining our third episode of the Airline Pilot Podcast. Next episode, we'll bring you interviews from ALPA's Air Safety Forum about the work we're doing to address safety and security risks across aviation. If you have any questions or additional topics you'd like us to cover, don't hesitate to reach out at podcast at alpa.org. To listen and subscribe to the Airline Pilot Podcast, please check us out online at alpa.org or find us on all major podcast platforms. Until next time, this is the Airline Pilot Podcast, production copyright ALPA 2023, all rights reserved.